Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bible Banter with not Luke and Eric. I am joined by my good friend and avid commenter. And so this just goes to show, like, if you comment in the, like, during the show, you might end up on Bible Banter. So you better be very careful. So I am joined with the illustrious, very busy, and handsome Michael Alex. Well, thank you for having me. You're welcome. What's your middle name? I, I would have used your middle name if I knew it. It is Raymond after my father. Raymond. Michael Raymond Alex. Yeah, it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Nope, nope. No, no, no. It's more of a, you got to have one. <laughs> <laughs> Where? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, let's put Raymond there. Yeah. <laughs> so does everybody love your dad? <laughs> uh, yeah. I honestly know he's, uh, you know, just like, you say no? Well, say no? I was gonna say, just like everybody doesn't love me, uh, you know, we're in Alex's, so, you know, we're, we're an acquired taste. So it's, is your dad as witty as you are? Cause that's really why we asked you on the show is because you are, and especially with today's topic, you are, are, are quick with the wit and yeah. you will bring plenty of laughter. He, he, he try he tries, but my, my wit really comes from my now past mother. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It comes from her, but he is, he is prime for trying to make that quick, you know, dad joke. He, he, he is a dad joke type of guy. Okay. Um, so, so it's kind of a perfect storm of, I get it from both sides, but in terms of the quick, like off the cuff, you know, humor, it's more from my mother. Okay. I didn't know if it came from being raised by, by family guy. You know, Family Guy. <laughs> That's where I get all my humor from. It's from Family Guy. I don't know if I should admit that. Maybe we need to get off air, delete this video, and start all over again. Your secret's safe with me, buddy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, mentioning that, do you have a favorite favorite Family Guy episode? No, I honestly don't watch. Haven't watched it enough to have a favorite episode by any stretch. But I am. I'm relatively familiar with their type of humor. It's because you're a good person. <laughs> you don't watch him. I'm a family guy. But you are a Star Wars fan. I am. Yeah. So which, in your opinion, is the worst Star Wars movie, and why is it episode nine? <laughs> <laughs> because of just the sheer buildup to disappointment. <laughs> yes. I mean, it is it, <laughs> On so many levels, it is the most disappointing movie I've probably ever seen. Yeah, uh, I, I'll be honest; they did not, in my opinion, did not handle the buildup and reveal of the Emperor well, mm -mm. Um, because he had he had a pretty serious demise, and then all of a sudden he shows back, and they allude to his cloning, but they no, all of a sudden he's just there and has this massive influence, and has always had this massive influence, but. It's, it's almost like they just decided to take that route and didn't really put much thought into building towards it. And I think if Luke were here, he would say the reason nine is terrible is because eight is even worse. Okay. Because you essentially, you know, you have the same director for, for seven and nine, and then you have a different director for eight. And it was kind of like, uh, we screwed everything up in eight. Now you have all these puzzle pieces that don't really fit together. Now can you put it back together and make right. something? right so that's our star wars minute for today <laughs> so um hey we just want to give a, a sh our monthly shout out to our banter club members scrolling at the bottom 
Um, thank you so much for your love and your support. In fact, uh, you can you can go and become a member of the Banter Club on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Bible Banter. And we are giving, um, it's good for this month and next month, a 25% off coupon for my book, a digital download um, of Go, uh, teaching all that Jesus commands to those that Jesus commands us to reach. The next book will have a much shorter title, <laughs> um, but you can get twenty five percent off. It's already less expensive than it is on Amazon because I don't have to pay the Amazon fees and all that. So it's on my personal website um, at ericbreynolds.com. So you can purchase the book there or on Amazon. You can get twenty five percent off with the special code that is given to you when you become a Banter Club member. Boom! Shameless plug. Well done. I. I have rarely heard a better plug for their someone's own work. Like, <laughs> we did talk a little bit about that on the show, like before we came on the show, like how weird it is to try and plug yourself. <laughs> yeah, um, it's necessary. It, unfortunately, it's a necessary evil. Yeah. Um, so, Mike, we were talking, um, and we wanted to talk a little bit about before we get into our main topic. Our main topic is going to be humor in preaching. Humor mm. in preaching. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about like how our kind of like a, do a church check-in. Like how is your church doing? How's my church doing? How, how are we doing um, our worship services and things like that? Because I think that can be an encouragement to the rest of the people who are watching or listening, um, seeing how the rest of the body of Christ is coming together. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, we are, I think we're doing well. From from my estimation, of, of course, everybody's opinions might be, you know, each person might have a different spin or take. But um, currently what's happening is we are meeting indoors. We don't really have a, a the, the technology and or even the 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 real ability to set up outside at all, mm -hmm. just where our property is and everything. But uh, currently main regulations are you cannot hold more than 50 in a building or even for outside gathering, there's that restriction. And so what we're doing is we have socially distanced, you know, pews marked off 50 in our sanctuary. And then we have a separate building gymnasium area and we have, you know, almost overflow that we're live streaming into that building. So uh, that's kind of how we're handling Sunday mornings and we're doing our, our normal thing with the exception of, you know, we're, we've got boxes for offering and, you know, a little prepackaged, you know, uh, communion when we do communion and everything in person and all that. So we don't hand anything out, but we're at, we ask people to wear a mask to when they're moved, basically when you're moving around, if you're walking to, I, I heard a mask is the mark of the beast. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, we, we have everybody write the number six, six, six on the front of it before they sit down. Okay. Uh, all right. Doubling yeah. down. Yeah, absolutely. We are we are forcing uh, conspiracy theories in our church. Uh, we we are making sure they are true. Um, uh, so, but no, that was that was humor. That is an example of my dry, sarcastic humor. We are not requiring. <laughs> we do not believe it's the mark of the beast, and we do not write six 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 on anything. Um, and so, if our if our weekly offering ever comes close to three sixes, I'll throw a penny in just to get it uh get it off we're that superstitious but uh well, wouldn't it be like then it would be like six 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 oh one exactly it's just higher just high enough to get us out of trouble um 
Man, and I can't take anything away. Was that in there? <laughs> What's that? You can't at least throw a dollar in there. Now you're going to go you now, now I'm guilty, so I'll I'll start throwing in a dollar. We'll, we'll, okay, there you go. But uh, no, and and things are things are well. The Lord has blessed us in many ways. Uh, I would say the biggest area, you know, that I've struggled, that I think we've struggled, is communication with those who don't have the internet mm. or don't use social media or uh, or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, so I would say that's been the biggest struggle, especially when you're kind of dancing around, you know, should you visit, shouldn't you visit, when to visit, all that jazz and restrictions and, and things of that nature. I think that's the number one difficulty, but especially for someone like myself who like gets in his own, you know, tunnel vision of mm -hmm. what he needs to get done and do. And, uh, you know, picking up the phone, sometimes you forget, can forget to do that. But outside of that, the Lord's blessed us in this time and and uh, and we're we're doing we're doing pretty well, I think. Yeah. But it's just been as we were mentioning before, it's just been a very mentally draining. It is mentally well, draining. Yeah. Because yeah. you, but, uh, I mean, everybody looks to you to try and figure everything out, and then when you come to a different conclusion after you know hours, days, maybe weeks of research than they do in their you know two hours of scrolling through Facebook, then they get really upset. Yeah, I'll yeah. tell you, we had what when we were talking about. Uh, like re reopening, you know, meeting in person. And I was like, you know, I can't make, I'm not going to make that unilateral decision. This needs to be kind of a leadership, uh, a leadership gets together and talks about what does it look like and all that. <laughs> and, and someone said to me, asked in the meeting, I was like, Pastor Mike, have you thought of yada, yada, yada? <laughs> and I said, I've thought of a lot of things, but I haven't thought of everything, which is why we're having this meeting. <laughs> I can't think of everything. Yeah. Um, and or plan for every jot and tittle and possibility. Mm -hmm. um, and I do not reject the canonicity of Revelation for those of you who <laughs> interpreted what I was saying. What Bigford had to say. Uh, <laughs> now, funny thing is, aren't you the you're the pastor of like that was the church that that Nathaniel uh, Bigford went to as a kid, isn't it? Yep, and it has never been the same since. There's been a lot of rebuilding I've had to do. Uh, since so in a way, you're responsible for mentoring and shaping uh, yeah. young Bickford. I, I have not been. I know, um, I'm just kidding. Otherwise, yeah, but he, I mean, if I had been, he'd be less of what he is today because <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> Blessed Hope Church has had a history of strong biblical leadership. Um, and I would say Nathaniel and his uh, family are examples of what discipleship in a church and even in our, and the, and the good that our denomination does in terms of, uh, of discipling and raising up leaders. Is a dog getting murdered in the, uh, yeah. I'm going to have to go check on that real quick. You know, a professional podcast here. Um, exactly. I know. Um, all right. Go ahead and check on that. So um, everybody, you can start commenting. So I'm not left here all by myself, but I'll give you kind of an update. Um, well, that's very nice of, of Bickford to be very encouraging for Mike saying that, Hey, I appreciate the work you're doing there. And if I'm, if I remember correctly, Nathaniel, you're, 
your parents still attend that church and your brother's in the area. I know your brother's pastoring another church, but um, yeah. So, I mean, my church, we're still meeting outside. We're doing driving. Uh, we call them driving worship service. It's more, it's moving towards just an outdoor worship service, you know, music, prayer, and preaching of the word. Very simple, very simplified service. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason being, uh, it's just we have a very large parking lot and a large yard, and it gives us ample opportunity. We have the equipment to be able to do our services outside. And our concern is, you know, we have so many people that are still coming. You know, we're probably, you know, we're probably at 80, 80% of what our attendance was prior to COVID are still coming to our driving or our outdoor services. So it's like a lot of more than half of those people would not come if it was inside. So we very much think, you know, our belief is um, it is incredibly important for the saints to be gathered together for Sunday worship as many as possible. So for us, it just makes sense to stay outdoors, even if it's a hundred degrees out. Yeah, I, I agree that if you're able to do it in a way that, you know, shows love, compassion, you know, for people and, and and go in that direction to make it as accessible as possible, considering the circumstances, mm-hmm. especially, you know, endure the heat. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that that's great. And we're actually similar in terms of our, you know, we, we generally average, well, I mean, it's summer, so summer is generally low anyway, but you know, 115, and we've had consistently probably, you know, 75% of that mm-hmm. uh, and everything. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cool. All right, Mike. Well, hey, let's uh, let's move on. Let's let's hit our topic of discussion today, which is humor in preaching, which is something mm. that when I asked you to come on the show, you wanted to talk about. I think another person had actually brought it in the comments when we kind of got sidetracked a couple episodes ago when talking about why pastors should be writing. Uh, mm. We actually got on the topic of, of sermons because it came from sermon writing and all that. And someone asked the question, I forget who it was, about humor and preaching, what we thought, whether it deserve or should be there. And um, Mike, you are someone who is incredibly uh, lame, uh, unfunny, that uh, I cannot imagine you ever having a joke in a sermon because it would just fall flat. Yeah, no, um, I, I actually read uh, my sermons uh, that I steal from Jonathan Edwards and I am monotone um, and just you know, no facial expressions, no enthusiasm, nothing. Uh, I want it to be all Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I'm not getting in the way of that. Now, do you have do you have the conversions like Jonathan Edwards had back in the 17th? I wish. I, I, no, I don't wish. I pray. <laughs> um, the, the interesting thing for those who aren't overly familiar with Jonathan Edwards, the way you just described your sermons, is actually how Jonathan Edwards preached. Very monotone, head down in his written out sermon, no inflection in his voice, very solemn and everything. And people by the thousands came to Christ under his ministry. That to me just speaks to how the Holy Spirit works in the midst of the preached word. And uh, you can be a crappy preacher or a, or a terrific preacher. The spirit's going to use you one way or another. What do you like? Absolutely. Yeah. I I had a kind Nothing's throwaway in a sermon, but um, I, I was talking in my sermon this past Sunday, um, and I, I don't know, it wasn't in my notes or anything, but I made the statement, I said, you know, we come to worship 
to marvel at God and who he is and what he's doing. And I said, it should not matter what your music is like, what the, the building looks like or anything like that for us to be able to marvel at God. And I said, I made a statement, whether you're in a prison cell or on top of a mountain at sunrise, we should always be able to marvel at who God is and what he is doing. Right. And, and because it's a Holy Spirit thing, it's not a, uh, you know, music and, and aesthetics can distract our fallible human minds and hearts, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit thing that drives us to marvel and worship and live for Christ. Well, it's one of the reasons why I hate the Holy Spirit fog machine, um, yeah. as well as like the the, the flashy lights and uh, of like a rock show. <laughs> yeah. It's, to me, it, yeah. It boggles my mind, and it is the greatest tragedy. One of the greatest tragedy. Not the. I don't want to. I don't want to overly exaggerate. I just want to slightly exaggerate. Um, but it is one of the greatest tragedies in today's church. Like the yeah. distraction, the things that we distract ourselves with in the church, away from God, but to tidy it up or, or put it in a bow, like in a Jesus bow, right? So we create this present that is an idol, really, of ourselves, and put a Jesus bow around it and then call it a day. And we see complete irreverence when it comes to the worship of God. Yeah, uh, in, and I'm probably going to misquote, but I think I read or heard somewhere, I think it was Charles Finney, basically said something to the degree of, give me the right setting and music and I can get anybody saved. Sounds about right. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I've told people, I've gotten similar you know, goose, Holy Spirit pimples or whatever, goose bumps, listening to a secular song as I have sometimes listening to, to Christian music or, or hearing a sermon. Yeah. You know, so we, we really can't trust how we're feeling in the moment. It's you know what, can I give a perfect example of that? I actually had literally 20 minutes before we got on. Yeah. So there, is, and I think I shared this in one of a, one of the other episodes that we did uh, recently. Um Robin Williams, who is one of my favorite comedians, um, who is just tremendously hilarious, right? So uh, Williams in 2007 went to Kuwait to do a comedy show with the troops, right? So all of a sudden, Reveille happens, in Reve or excuse me, Retreat, which is when the American flag comes down. So you have mm – -hmm. and, and everybody stops what they're doing, turns to face the flag, and salutes. That is military custom on every single base. It is a must, right? If you don't do that, it's actually punishable by UCMJ, which is the Uniform Code of Military Justice. That is how uh, – and I heard this sound in the video, and it gave me these goosebumps, right? Mm -hmm. Just made me feel overwhelmed with joy and all sorts of stuff because I, I miss those days being out of the military. And then Williams, you know, after, you know, he kind of has no idea what's going on and then makes a few comments afterwards about how he was just scared, like what's coming from that direction? You know, it was just funny. You can look it up on, on, on YouTube, but I remember having that feeling and going, this is, this really has touched me. Mm. Um, I get that same feel. I've had that same feeling when I was at a church where it had the Holy spirit fire machine, the flashy mm. light. But what I realized is that those lights, that fog and Robin Williams um, in the midst of retreat does not convict me of my sin. It does right. not, it does not, it gives me joy for a different reason. It doesn't give me joy mm -hmm. because of Christ. It gives me joy because it brings me worldly comfort. Yeah. 
At best, at best, it can, you know, break your concentration on whatever hold your whatever has your heart or mind's hold in that moment to focus on something else. Um, but and so that kind of brings me back to the humor thing, you know, aids or, or humor in worship or in preaching can either distract and call attention or it can kind of pepper to to kind of almost you know um i'm looking for the for a word you know almost bring barriers down you know you know put someone off kilter so you can kind of come in and and hit them with with something that they might not be receptive to in the moment uh, and i can tell you when it comes to humor it, i i definitely I definitely probably am over humorous, if that makes sense, like use it too much, especially because it's my defense mechanism a lot of times when I'm uncomfortable. Uh, but, uh, you know, most of the time I don't plan humor in my sermons because I just feel it's canned doesn't come off as well for me. Anyway, I'm not a stand up comedy guy. I can't write jokes. And when I have actually tried to do it, it like goes over people's heads and they, they just totally miss it. But it's more off the cuff stuff. And, and, but the danger with myself is, um, you know, it can be distracting rather than helpful, especially if they're more focused on the joke than the, the point that I'm leading up to, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, uh, I, I think of one, like for example, when I first, <laughs> and this wasn't actually part of the sermon, it was at the end of the sermon, I, I made a boneheaded move when I was first started at the church, relatively new, um, you know, that Sunday we had a missionary come in. It was also a communion Sunday. And I was like, you know, I still need to preach, um, you know, and so the service went long and but, but we usually end around noon. Um, and this Sunday, I think I was finishing up around 1220, which is, which I've, I've, I've emphasized to people that we don't have an end time, but early on that was tough for, people to stomach. And so I, I was starting myself to get a little hungry. So at the, at the end of it, I uh, looked up, I'm like, Oh, look at the time. I'm, I'm kind of hungry. I wonder about you guys. And I made, I said, I said this, I'm like, Oh, it's 1220. And look, you all survived. <laughs> You're all still alive. And apparently uh, one of my leaders in, in the church had some friends visiting and they didn't appreciate that. And so I got a visit from them later in that week and saying, uh, you haven't been here long enough to make those type of jokes. <laughs> I was like, okay. Oh, man. Did the family ever come back? The friends? Uh, Way to go, Mike. I know. <laughs> I know. So, man, the so I I'm like you. I don't write jokes into my sermon, um, but I do make flippant comments or wit or what I consider like witty, like sharp bar, like things. Yeah. I try to make things lighthearted in moments. Or yeah. if I notice something that's a seeming contradiction, I might say, "Oh, well, this never happens here," or something like that. That I try to elicit some sort of lightheartedness from, mm. um, to make a point or or to move the point forward, right. but. You know, there is a danger in it. Yeah. Um, the danger is laughter. I get more laughs than I get amens. So what do you think I'm going to try to do? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is not good. Right. So like, so we don't preach to please men. Yeah. So in, in fact, I, we, we have a, a congregation in whom we're preaching to, but our first audience is God himself. So mm. we are trying to point to Christ uh, in our sermons, but we're doing so to the glory of Christ. And if that means that, um, that people miss out because they didn't get 10 steps to a, to a better sex, better sex life, then that's on them. You know, that's not, that's not what we do. So um, when we focus on the laughter rather than the word that can, um, what it does is it robs Christ of his glory and seeks to glorify ourselves because we're trying to elicit some sort of feedback. Feedback can be helpful, but when we are, when we're trying to get that feedback, it feeds our egos rather than our worship. Amen. Uh, that's the danger. That that well, that's not the danger. It's one of the dangers. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that you is. and I, like yeah. you and I, when we're when we talk uh, outside of here or even on Bible, like people know, with Luke and I, we try to joke at every single turn. Very light, mm-hmm. lighthearted. We are very irreverent on almost every single issue except for the scriptures. So except for Christ. Um, So we try to take the Bible really seriously, but we try to take ourselves not seriously. That's the key. That's the key. And and sometimes, you know, I've, I've been told that sometimes I don't take, I should take myself more seriously because I, I tend to be on the more, you know, the more uh, Eeyore negative Nelly side of things, especially with my own gifts and abilities. But, uh, um, but absolutely, you know, not taking yourself too seriously, um, but taking God and his word and, you know, and the ministry we have been set in seriously. And, and there is a healthy balance there. You know, one does not negate the other. You can have a good sense of humor and still really take God and the scripture seriously. They, they don't work against each other by any stretch. They can, but that doesn't mean they do. So there is actually a tradition of humor uh, in preaching, Mike. And you shared this with me this morning. Uh, you said that you wanted us to bring this up. So I don't want to steal your thunder, but this really stuck with me. Um, yeah. Spurgeon, writing about the 12th commandment in his autobiography, quipped, thou shalt wear a long face on Sunday. That was kind of the 12th commandment back in the 1800s. You shall wear a long face on Sunday morning. Um yeah. Dude, I have felt this way. I don't know if you have, but when it comes to communion, now, mm-hmm. now I all since I've been a Christian, everywhere I've gone, um, as and this is my first senior pastor, right? So this is really the only place I could affect change in this type of area when it comes to communion. Um, is everywhere I've been, it's been very solemn, very very solemn, long faces and everything. Uh, there is a time for that because there is solemnity, sol- solemnity, solemnity. Yep. You got solemnity. it, nailed it. You got two master's degrees. I have half a one. So. <laughs> Listen, I have one master's degree, and it was by the skin of my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so solemnity, solemnity. Um, how do you say it? Solemnity. <laughs> solemnity. I already told you you got it. Solemnity. Solemnity. So. There is there's like a range of emotion that we should approach communion with. And one of the, them is solemnity. 
but there's also joy that comes in communion. Like there's supreme joy. Like, why don't we get this? There is supreme joy. Christ is, he has given himself for us and risen again. And this has been given to us and communion has been given to us so that Mm -hmm. we might remember that we are reconciled to him. Right. And and isn't that what communion does? It's a, it's a progression. It goes from, all right, you know, with the bread and the cup, we are grieving, confessing and repenting of our sin in the process to moving towards joy of forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption, and all that. And so I, on Sunday mornings, when we do communion, I'll say solemnly or somberly, I'll I'll explain that. I'm like, we are doing this because, you know, in this moment, we feel heavy, the, the weight of our sin. But we don't stay there. We progress into joy. We, we walk, we shouldn't hold on to the guilt and the shame and the, the burden of our sin in communion. We should walk away from communion with joy mm-hmm. uh, because of what that's meant to, to remind us of. Um, so absolutely, I'm on the same page with you on there, my friend. So how, so how, so I re- relay that to the preaching of the word, right? Mm. So when we come into the church service, right? Our worship service. And again, it's the worship of the Lord, not the worship of the saints. So when we come into the worship of the Lord, we don't do so with great somber as though he is dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's as though first Corinthians 15 is just not written, right? Like we, yeah. <laughs> um, that's how many people can, can enter in. Um, yeah. And you can see that even in the design of many old church buildings, right? So um, what many people call a narthex or, you know, I like to call ours a, um, a foyer. It's it, yeah, many right. are just foyer. Is that foyer. French? <laughs> Alex French? Are you, are you French? Yes. Yep. Oh, it's I'm French. Sorry. So um, <laughs> yeah, in these days, all right. <laughs> I'm German, so I think we're mortal enemies. Um, but like many people would enter into, into enter into a church, and the reason maybe they're entering in somberly is because you're walking through what might look like a funeral parlor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean you know I don't mean to be snide about that, but mm-hmm. I mean you look at a funeral parlor and you look at many churches four years and you go they're the same picture right the meme from from the office they are the same picture literally Uh, yeah yeah so you know i think i think architecture helps point point us and does set the mood right because i think you know you mentioned that with finney you give me the right circumstances we do set a certain mood by the design of our architecture in the Mm -hmm. buildings but we can also set the mood by our tone. So mm-hmm. laughter brings joy. I forget who it was, but I know Reftunes did a cartoon on it. Uh, it might have been Luther, could have been Calvin, maybe it was Spurgeon. One of them said, uh, in nowhere does the Bible uh, outlaw laughter. Right. It, it, it puts boundaries on the type of things that bring laughter, which I, again, am not perfect in and and I'm sinful in those areas, but absolutely laughter is a gift. Mm-hmm. Joy is a gift. And uh, it, it's a balance, you know, just as structural, you know, aids or, or whatever are, are, it's a balance. And so, for example, I have people in my church that, you know, would prefer to be almost like walking into a Catholic service, you know, mm-hmm. just everybody looking straight forward. It's time to be contemplative, prepare our hearts to worship. And then there are people that kind of, treat it as, you know, a time to, 
you know, before the service starts, check in with people and, and chat. And we, most people lean in that direction, which is a little annoying because then I have to kind of speak over them uh, to, to get them ready. Uh, but that's actually changed quite a bit since COVID uh, because now we, people actually um, are arriving a little bit earlier and, uh, and getting ready a little bit better. I don't have to deal with that so much. It, that's been a positive change. But at the end of the day, I think it's a, a healthy balance of, you know, we come in ready to worship with joyful hearts to see one another and to glory in what Christ has done uh, on our behalf and for us. Like, let me ask you this. Uh, seeing as how everything is so depressing in life right now, uh, mm. for everyone, literally, I don't care where you live or what your station in life is, it is incredibly depressing. Uh, yeah. Go on social media, turn on the television, watch the news. Even if you take joy in sports, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't go to the movies. Like, if you like movies, you can't do – there's literally every way that we like to recreate that is right. um, is limited. Hmm. So have you chosen to take a different tone in the way you preach? Maybe a little bit more uplifting. I'm you know, trying they, to... radio, you're not supposed to let there be dead silence for three know, seconds. I'm trying to think. Um, <laughs> not in the beginning. I, I kind of at the beginning, because I think it hit us all you know, this came out of nowhere. And so I kind of adopted the, the tone at the beginning. And, and actually, this is going to sound real great. Uh, but the end of the year, uh, the end of 2019, and the beginning of 2020, after we did a little, you know, Advent season, uh, we, we, as a church, talked about lament, and we, mm-hmm. what, what lament is, and began the year with lamentations, which I think was God-ordained and preparing wow. For this time, uh, we used Mark of Rogop's book, um, "Deep Clouds or uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy." Solid book, by the way. Um, when it comes to if you want to learn and about lament, I would recommend it for small groups and everything. He does a great job with it. But um, and so I kind of at the beginning was like, guys, we've been preparing for this <laughs> and being able to cry out to God. But but since then, I've taken more. I mean, maybe not uplifting like jolly but more of an uplifting of this is the church's time to rise and take and we have answer maybe not specific answers to covid but to the hopelessness we feel um and and out of all of us we need to be taking this time and taking advantage of the opportunities to share the gospel to to communicate the joy and hope that we have in the midst of and so i've really been hitting the, the evangelism thing hard especially we're going through the book of john and I mean, his whole point in writing the book is that we might believe that Jesus is the son of God and have eternal life through him. Really? Um, You're in John? Yeah. Where are you at? Where are you, bud? Uh, we, I just finished John 5, the, finished the cha- chapter 5 this past when Sunday. Start? What's that? When did you start? Uh, b- beginning of COVID, early on. Hey, you're flying through. I know. I have the other guys like every week they're on another chapter. I'm like, how do you do that? Dude, I'm. We are finishing. We're starting. So we're in John 20 verse 11 through 18 this Sunday. We got like maybe six more sermons in John. Then we're going through the epistles of John. No. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's a. That's an aside. That's a that's a freebie. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> that doesn't get you free 10% off of anything. <laughs> Whenever I say that to my church, when I like, I make that joke every so often when I like something hits me and I feel like I need to go on this tangent a little bit, which doesn't happen too often. I don't spend a ton of time, but I'll, I'll tell people, I'm like, by the way, that one's free. You're going to pay me extra for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, that happens to me sometimes too. I, I can't, sometimes there's just something burning in your, you know, uh, in the front of your mind. There's mm. sometimes people have heard me say this. Ooh, I'm not going to say that. Like, cause I can't, I, I ha- it's almost like if I don't say the words, then I don't make that, a, that covenant with myself. Um, mm. I really want to say this, uh, but maybe that's my flesh saying that and not the spirit. Mm. So Absolutely. sometimes like it's inevitable when you're preaching that you do have, um, it is an interactive thing, right? So you are seeing people that some are falling asleep, right? I know you experienced that quite a bit. And then others, uh, you, you know, others lean forward. Others, maybe you see a change in their demeanor. Maybe they fall under the conviction of sin. And, and th- that's when sometimes laughter can be so helpful because when you see faces change to where they, um, where people are overwhelmed in their sin, that they need to know it's okay. Like, right. it, like it's, that's natural to be overwhelmed by your sin, but it's unnatural to stay in that state. Mm-hmm. And, and Christ calls us out of that because he has saved us. Mm. so so laughter can be extremely helpful in those in those situations right right absolutely absolutely um yeah i I don't have much to add to that because that was really good well done so (laughs) thank you you should be on the podcast more (laughs) (laughs) you're way better than luke you agree with me way more than luke (laughs) your cheerleader rah rah you're my barnabas you know that (laughs) um you know i like uh, i like what spurgeon had to say this was in the article that you shared with me he said uh, it's less a crime to cause a momentary laughter than a half hour's profound slumber (laughs) you know he's such a jerk man when he says things like that it's funny because um i don't know if you had robinson who kind of developed the center for preaching at gordon conwell in his book, um, uh, pre- preaching book, big idea. It's big idea preaching, but that's not the title of the book. But it's a solid book if anybody's interested in in uh, learning preaching. It's easy to follow, easy to read. But he made the statement. And he's like, "It is sinful to bore people with the gospel." Mm-hmm. Um, not that he was talking about humor in there, but um, and I tried to I, I tried to encourage our people a few weeks ago. I, I said, you know. Is the have you come to the point, especially for people who have been in the church for so long? Is the gospel boring? Like, can you, you know, maybe you're in a season where like you're battling cancer or your marriage is on the rocks or this, that, and the other thing, but can you still find and point to the blessings and work that God is doing in your life? Mm-hmm. If you can't, when you leave this service, you need to get in prayer and ask God to reveal his hand in your life so you can see it clearly and rejoice. Um, Because your life may be a mess right now, and you may feel that way, but in the scope of eternity, God has done more for us in the gospel than our circumstances can ever understand or feel. That's right. That's right. You know, 
rejoice. I say again, rejoice. Yeah. Just not in the sermon. You need to take it very seriously and never crack a joke. <laughs> I, I would just... <laughs> never mind. <laughs> but anyway, so so I'll give you an example, just so people can, you know, so if if anybody thinks that uh, their pastor isn't isn't quite enough, at least you don't have me as your pastor. There was once. This is a few years ago. And it was my it's one of my favorite preaching moments, but also one that uh, I also probably should be ashamed of <laughs> because everybody remembers the joke. I don't think they remember the point I was making, but I feel like it was brilliant. And so I was preaching on Matthew and when Jesus predicts his death and Peter goes, Lord, may it never be, you know, I will go to death with you to prevent or to prevent that from happening. And I, I called that Peter's hold my beer moment. I was, he was like, basically, I said, Jesus, I was like, Peter was like, Jesus, hold my beer. And he goes off and, <laughs> and, and people loved it. People didn't understand it. Oh my goodness. But I, I was like, I was, I was so proud, but so ashamed that I said it. <laughs> Mike Alec, hold my beer <laughs> while preaching on Matthew. <laughs> so so what are the things who didn't get the reference because that is a very and that's another danger with like having pop culture yeah. references is that for many they don't get it right so yeah. and that was that multiple levels of i carry multiple levels of shame <laughs> anyway just because of my personality that i'm re regularly dealing with you know god's dealing with me and i'm wrestling with with him on uh, but absolutely, the, the cultural references you have to be careful of. And I remember learning about that in preaching class one time. And this woman that was in the military, she was in, you know, I, she came in. I can't remember her name, but she, we were talking in class about illustrations and improperly using illustrations because people might not know what you're talking about. And, and I'm not going to, because in the, in the class, we were all stunned that she, made, she said this descriptive word of what they call um, gas holders on the military field because of oh, what they look like. I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. And she said that she statement. In a preaching in class? In a preaching class. <laughs> oh, if you want, listen, if you are a viewer or a listener, you can message me on Facebook and I, I'm still not going to tell you what it is because I don't need screenshots of <laughs> me saying it, whatever it is. But, um, uh, oh man, <laughs> I'm, I, I remember where I was sitting, I was sitting towards the back, and she was to my right in that same row. And I look around, and I'm like, <laughs> Professor, like, <laughs> I'm like, what? And I'm waiting for him. It was Scott Gibson, um, and and he's he's a very low-key guy and he's like that's a good example <laughs> and he quickly moved on <laughs> well here's the thing i don't know what you call it <laughs> like like i don't know how to describe it without using those two words yeah um so like that's so ingrained in the military that's just what you call it and yeah. it's not like uh you know it could be it would be offensive to so it's a it's two words d and d and um one is an animal and the other one is a body part. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I will let you figure out the rest audience, but yeah. legit, like in your, yeah. in the military culture, that's just what you call it. It's, it's not, a, 
right? Right. Um, like I could call someone a jack wagon, not offensive. Um, right. that's probably the you know least offensive offensive thing I could probably right. say. And, and so that's whenever I think of that exact issue of it. Don't say that. Don't say those two words. Sorry. <laughs> Offense to language is really cultural and contextual. Mm. And so that's what I always struggle with when we come to Ephesians 4. Mm. And he says, you know, coarse joking and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, when it comes to humor and coarse joking, I'm like, okay, where do you draw the line? Right. Well, you that's – and I off air have had some of these conversations. What do you do with cuss words? I mean, wh- what is a cuss word? What's a cuss word uh, 50 years ago isn't one today, right? Like the F word isn't as offensive today as it was even 10 years ago, never mind 50 years ago. Um, you know, I'm around some people where that's just part of their everyday vernacular. Like it's, right. you know, it's just it, they don't bat an eye at it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Does it offend me? No. So does it fall under that course? Does it fall under unwholesome language? Hmm. You could make a debate that it, that in certain circumstances that it doesn't. I don't hmm. use that word um, around right. people, but uh, you know, the, the language is so malleable it's and it's so always true. changing. That what is what is not what is a good word today could be a bad word tomorrow. Glenn. Oh man, that's a great comment. I'm gonna put this one up just so people know. So Glenn says, I'm gonna, I was in a service one time, not in an AC church, and the pastor was making a certain point and told us to turn to our neighbor and say, I am a fatherless child, but n- but did not say fatherless child. He didn't want us to. That's a, whole other, that's a whole other level that I would I could not pull myself to. There's a phenomenal. Um, Pat, like this is like maybe a one minute, 90 second video that I found. I actually shared it with a group chat I'm in with, with, uh, Andy Rice and he, so this pastor, man, um, I think it, it was group chat with Andy, Nathaniel and Tom. And, uh, so we're talking, I send this video and it's this pastor who, um, is talking about forgiveness and he said, forgiveness is the new F word. And he said, we need to bring the F word back into the church. Right. And he says, turn to your neighbor and say, F yourself. (laughs) And then he goes and he keeps going. He's like, you know what? You want some too? F you. And he says it to the congregation. I hide myself, man. Like, Uh, things in trying to be relevant and shock and awe that just in the moment it seems brilliant. It really seems brilliant, but upon further reflection and after it's all said and done, we're like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, he, goes, he ends the sermon and says, look in your phone, type to someone who, ha- who, uh, who you know and tell them I'm in church. F you. <laughs> I thought... <laughs> oh, that's so bad and so uh, good. <laughs> I think that is an example of not a good joke and not a good application okay. to it. Yeah, no, no. Uh, especially if, especially the fact that that's recorded. Um, yeah, that's I, never the way. I don't know. So I hope that makes you feel better about your hold my beer joke. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> you at least didn't tell an entire congregation to go to <laughs> F themselves. Yeah, I, I would. And again, I'm meaning forgive. I'm not meaning the other F word. It is uh, forgive. Yeah. And Steve, so, it's a great example. My first sermon I preached at, at, um, at my last church. Dude, I said suck in a sermon. And I had this saint, beloved saint came up to me, tears in her eyes, and was incredibly upset that I said that word. And I, yeah. it escaped me. I mean, again, my background is in the army, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. suck to me is like, that's, yeah, that, well, that is nothing. Yeah. 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 So, like, I was, I was in this, like, existential word. crisis. Yeah. Huh? No, that's like baby's first word for, in the military. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, Laura, Laura Bedford, she's a, she's a member of my church, another beloved saint. saint. She she loves – everybody loves it when I say the uh, stinketh because in the King James Version, um, <laughs> when Lazarus uh, is in the tomb, it says that he stinketh, and I just love it. I love saying stinketh. Yeah, no, I've uh, – and uh, Pastor Steve Baker, he's in our congregation. He's one of our elders, and, uh, um, and he – you know, I don't, I don't know that I've used the word, you know, suck very often, but I often say like, I will not, I don't know about how often, but I'm not opposed to occasionally using the word crap and more as an exclamation. <laughs> like, like I'll lose my train of thought mm-hmm. and I'll kind of say quietly, oh, you know, or I'll, or I'll say, oh, poop <laughs> or something like that. Like, and that's part of my, and that, and again, I'm not saying that's right or to defend myself. It's something that I need to mature out of, but it's part of my defense mechanism to kind of fill the dead air. Like, what, what am I going to, it's, it's, it's kind of taken on the, um, of my sermon. Like instead of saying, um, I'll say, well, but anyway, I, you know, the, I will be honest. The reason part of, I, you know, I, part of why I wanted to talk about this is because, uh, you know, it's an area that I, I, I appreciate and love. I love humor. I love people with solid, wide senses of humor. But at the same time, I know that sometimes it's an easy crutch or a distraction. And so I like to talk about the things that I'm not good at to kind of, you know, call my attention to it and also get other people's viewpoint and feedback on Um and so uh, I love humor, but I also know, I, as I think that comment a few weeks ago was, I certainly do, would never want my sermon to turn, turn into a stand-up comedy routine. Because um, that, that And for some it does. And sometimes, yeah. on, sometimes on purpose, sometimes on accident. Um, right, yeah. And I think, I think when it's on, on accident, you show grace in both uh, situations, because a lot of times people end up preaching the same way they were taught and brought up. So sometimes just due to ignorance, uh, and and of course, be humorous, have fun, but the preaching the word of God is fun, but be reverent as well. Mm. Um, you're not you're not a comedian. If you're that funny, uh, go on tour, uh, and not as not as a preacher. Go on tour, uh, be the next John Christ, but without yeah. the sexual harassment stuff. I was gonna say, <laughs> everything needs some like clarification and caveats these days. <laughs> Like be like this guy, except say this. <laughs> be like Martin yeah. Luther. You parts of the Bible in the water, <laughs> uh, or, or be like Martin Luther, but don't you know be used as Nazi propaganda for your hate of the Jews? Exactly. 
Um, and I will say words like crap sucks. I don't care if you drop the F-bomb. Um, actually, I do care. Don't drop the F-bomb. But unless it's forgive, then drop that F-bomb. But uh, I hate more than anything when people take the Lord's name as an exclamation point or, yeah. or as an exclamation and and I think people don't realize like if you say oh my God it should be an it should be leading into prayer <laughs> it, that is it that is how you start conversation with God that is not an exclamation of something that has happened right it's a statement of dependence <laughs> not of yeah uh, yeah um, I just want to go over before we close up um, yeah. I want to go over these four things that were in this article that yeah. were pulled. Um, they were pulled, I think, part of Spurgeon and part of um, some others. But they say, here are these four things. They say, use humor only if it's natural to your personality. Mm. Uh, Mike, I would say that that fits probably you, myself, Luke. Um, yeah. We're guys just naturally off the cuff. We're kind of, um, we're, we just make, we crack jokes, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. so it is part of our personality in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, don't force it. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you know, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse yeah. to, carry, to carry that burden, uh, you know, of thinking not around. Would not be funny. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Al Moeller. Not funny guys. Nope. Not Term, rem- better preachers than us. Better yeah. theologians than us. But their humor is not part of their... their yep, yeah, that's not a gift set. Yeah. Um, so number two, use humor sparingly. Uh, so don't use it too much. It's, you yeah. know, don't turn, don't turn a sermon into satire. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, don't use humor gratuitously, which is kind of the same as the last one. Yeah. Um, and then the next one was never allow humor. And this is very important. Never allow humor to distract from the seriousness of God's word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and those are all good, you know, boundaries boundaries to have there we go got to fit both hands on the screen uh, you know and, and i you know absolutely bickford you know rarely adding jokes to, to sermons i mean i would say it takes a very gifted preacher uh to to add jokes planned jokes mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and make it come off well outside of maybe you know telling a little joke to get to help your introduction a little bit you know um well here's the thing we come to get christ in the gospel not to get comedy hour right right absolutely yeah yeah so the humor should be a vehicle yeah not the point so so right and sometimes humor happens by accident um I'll share share this one. I don't know if you caught it on my my Facebook page, but um, I did isolate it from the video. But um, about halfway through March, it may have been even into April, um, part of our our service before we send the kids down, we have children's church from uh, ages ages four through um, third grade, and before we or we did before COVID BC before COVID. Um, we, <laughs> we, we would, uh, I would sit them down in the front and do a little object lesson based on what they were learning that day. And so I decided 
I decided to keep that in the live stream when no one was in the service or anything like that. And um, and so that Sunday we were talking about, I forgot what the, the point was, but it was about, you know, bondage and, and being free, freed in Christ. And so I brought a pair of my boys handcuff, toy handcuffs with me. Um, and uh, I was actually looking for a pair that were broken to kind of, and I was going to bring the key with me to kind of pretend that I was, you know, that I had lost the key or whatever, and they were broken, yada, yada, yada. But I could, my wife threw, Erica threw away the broken ones, so I could only find the ones that worked. And so I was like, oh, okay, these work. I, the safety's right here. I'm, I'm good to go. And I brought them, and I left the key at home. Well, I was not anticipating during the, uh, the children's message for the safeties to break while they were on my wrist. <laughs> so when I put them onto my fat, overweight wrists, it bent the metal so that the, the safety switch like went inside. So I couldn't like trigger it. <laughs> so, so you were... You were Stuck in handcuffs before my sermon. I was able to get one one safety still was exposed, so I but I had hanging on one wrist <laughs> handcuffs, and there's a video of it because I I streamed it, and I'm like looking around, what am I going to do? And uh, I had underneath the pulpit a pen, and so I'm trying to like get the get it in there and jerry rig it, and the pen broke, and so I got like. Ink all over your hands in the midst of it. The guy that was running sound and helping with sound is like, like, is he serious right now? And so he brought uh, napkins up to me, but I eventually did get it off because I had a leather man, and I was able to kind of get that, um, get that in there. Uh, but uh, there's a video of it, and it's uh, super awkward um, and funny at the same time. Uh, but I'll, know, I'll... by the way like if people don't follow you on facebook you are a you're a good follow man um because <laughs> sometimes i don't know how often you post these things but whenever i see it it brings so much joy to my heart um <laughs> like when erica gave you that covid haircut uh, the, re the reason that's funny is because of the comments like everybody's waiting for you to do something like waiting for I don't know the dolphin to do the trick at SeaWorld and it just sits there and does nothing. It's like the big waste of 15 minutes of COVID, like that right there. Um, <laughs> then, like there was one time you used to post like breakfast with your kids and stuff like right. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, those things, I think it gives people um, kind of a glimpse into our world as, as men and as pastors and we can have fun with it. And so I, I always enjoy the, dumb things you post yeah and, and that's the thing I, I mean in the early days i used to go on to facebook and have debates and even sometimes i i jump in and i just because my my mind gets ahead of me i mean i even jumped into a little bit of debate on something that you posted the other day with about having you know 50 children if you're a good christian um or what have you i'm I don't just remember that. I, no it was the uh you know kevin DeYoung's article about oh uh, yeah 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 Dude, that was Kevin DeYoung's article, I can't, like, Yeah. I don't get it, man. I don't get why people get so upset when he says, hey, um, try having more kids. That's more effective than voting for Republicans yeah. to get the Supreme right. Court justices you want. Right, and, and you know what? I I appreciate solid debate, and actually, in, in interacting, you know, some points were brought up that made me not... You know, I don't necessarily agree with everybody, but it made me rethink how I'm arguing, what I'm arguing and everything. And so it was very helpful 
although I was like, man, I stink at debate. But anyway, um, you know, you know, but it was helpful. And so I've kind of gotten away from that. And I really use Facebook. Occasionally, I'll, I'll post something helpful, you know, like a good article that, that's helpful. But I mostly treat it as like, just to share my family. And my wife does this more, but just share what is going on in the life of Mike Alex on a on a day to day basis, letting them into that world because you know most people don't see that. So, for example, when COVID hit and we had to stop all in person small groups, ha had to, um, you know, we instead did this light the night with prayer, <clears throat> and I did it with Erica, uh, my wife, uh, you know, in our home, and the number of people in our church that appreciated a seeing the the interaction with our children and how misbehaved they are and how I handled that, um, you know, as an imperfect father of, of children, you know, my wife, who's very quiet, including her, they got to know my wife uh, a little bit better. And then they got to see kind of an, a glimpse inside of our home that you might not always get to see. Not that people aren't welcome in our home, but, you know, it's a different feel of like uh, of all of that. Um, and, you know, back in the day, it was kind of like, what is a pastor, what is a pastor like outside of the pulpit, like outside of, you know, ministry and, you know, books and smoke cigars, man. yeah, and I mean, really in a way they, and they saw a, a, an interaction, especially between myself and Erica that they normally don't see because I'm up in front and she's down in the pew and, and with the kids and everything. So, you know, the, you know, I'll joke from the, the pulpit about, you know, and like look at Erica and see how embarrassed she is. Mm -hmm. But what, and, you know, but at the end of the day, people don't realize how much Erica is like me with her sarcasm mm -hmm. and humor. Like, like, you know, and so a lot of people will be like, how could he say that? And I'm like, well, because I know my wife. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I know, you know, and, uh, and stuff like that. But, um, that I, I think was like an unintended positive benefit of COVID was when we brought the camera into our home, um, not in a you know not in a overly you know uh, you know intrusive intrusive exactly way, but you know seeing that interaction and and I wouldn't say that's for everybody. Like I wouldn't say force your wife to to do something like that, but it, it was good for us and it was good for the church um, to to see that that interaction. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and I wanted to just kind of, you know, Nathaniel Bickford said, you know, he doesn't add many planned or unplanned jokes in there. And, and, uh, he's probably a better preacher for it than me. <laughs> because, well, I, he's probably yeah. a better preacher than both of us, really. I That's mean, true. I've listened to him preach once. Um, and I was really blessed by it. Mm -hmm. And he, yeah. uh, he's totally different preaching than he is having a regular conversation with, uh, and, you know, he's, he's one of those guys, like he can quip here and there, but he's not, he's, he's not natural. You know, I, I guess he falls into that category of not humor. Isn't a, like oozing out of him, you know? So using it in a sermon would be uncharacteristic of, of him. So yeah, he's, a, uh, he's more like a John Piper than you and I are. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. But he's better because he's an Advent Christian. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry, was that, that, that was too soon. Was that wrong? I'm sorry. But, uh, as, as pastor Steve was mentioning the donut race, I don't know if you caught that on Facebook, what my wife and I did I saw uh, that. on Facebook. And yeah. so, I, well, I saw parts of it. There was too much wait time in my, my attention span is about 30, <laughs> 30 seconds. So, uh, 
I feel you. I, I try to ham it up a little too much. I mean, we should have just gotten to the action. And I have something else planned that I want to do with her. And uh, hopefully she'll uh, she'll play B, B game. I started doing like these. I got a GoPro because I thought it would work as a really good camera for the show. And it just hasn't panned out very well. I've been having a lot of technical difficulties. So we started using it, like taking videos of my son or, or my kids and me in the in the you're driving when you're driving with them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got made fun of a few times, so it made it hurt my feelings. So I haven't done it since. So, um, so can be cool. stop making fun of me, everybody. The crow can be world rude and, and hurtful. And I'm so sorry you experienced that. I'm Thank so you. sorry that you had to go through that. Thank you. I, I was waiting for that. You're, it's like you're applying the balm of forgiveness and encouragement of Christ that is found through the Holy Spirit. F, F you, Eric. <laughs> I'm going to take that as a forgive you. <laughs> Not the other F. You're just turning in context. <laughs> There's a lot of context there. <laughs> I'm, well, you know what I'm going to do? I can download this video and I'm going to edit it so that I only have that three seconds and I'm putting it on Facebook. And I will, I'm the only one to blame for that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, new GoPro camera hasn't panned out yet. Pun or no pun intended. Really no pun. I'm so punny that I make puns on accident. So... Let's get, let's get to the uh, the Blessed Hope Catechism, man, because you are yeah. an expert in catechesis. Did you listen to the to the Chris Date interview? Yes. And did you, did, what did you think of his criticism of the Blessed Hope Catechism? I appreciated it. I appreciated his criticism. I thought it was um, fair. But my argument would be that um, if if you're writing a catechism to be memorized, you can't get too detailed. Mm -hmm. on your answers you're right you're uh, so and i think maybe that's the benefit of the the shorter and larger versions of like exactly so and that's also the benefit of say the new city catechism where they right. have a, a and it's right built you know built in there but that yeah. probably would have taken you guys another three years yeah probably um, I, I will say I had I, I would have liked to like press it not press him but ask him a couple questions one i think he should write a book almost like an autobiographical book of his transition to conditional mortality, similar to Nabil Qureshi's Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of walk through the, the arguments and the steps that he transitioned and, and argued and wrestled with, um, almost like a, a, a narrative style. I think that would be super helpful and really cool for him to do. Or maybe it's not that interesting, and I, think, and I only think it would be interesting. <laughs> Uh, but then I also wanted to ask him, because I found his discussion and his, like, um, barriers for, like, you know, ecclesiology, like infant baptism, like some pastoral staff are for it and some are against it and all of that. Um, practically speaking, I'm interested to in how that would really look and work out. And so I wanted to ask him the question, and, and I didn't want to ask it because I thought it might come off as rude, and I didn't want it, and I didn't want it to sound rude, but I always want to ask people to have like ecclesiological views that are maybe even outside the box a little bit what what where do they like what involvement do they have in their local church like are they like actively involved like in leadership or in service and ministry um because it's one thing to kind of sit on the outskirts and say man churches should do this that and the other thing 
and then to sit, and then it's another thing to actually have to minister under those expectations mm -hmm. and follow through on those expectations. Like, so for example, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, I think, I think it could work to have, you know, you know, let some pastors baptize infants and others not have that conviction. And, you know, in my mind, stuff like that could work and it intrigues me. But then I think about what would that look like practically? Is it even po possible? You know, because at the end of the day, for those of us who are believers baptism, you know, types, we would say that a, a baby that's baptized isn't really baptized at all. Right. And so what do you do with that? There, there, at some point in that child's life, you're going to come to a head. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like if you're in covenant community and, you, and baptism is a sign of the covenant, you're not even – you those within the covenant community can't agree as to who is and is not in the covenant. Exactly. So, and I, and I think, you know, like when we do, uh, what is it? Dedications and whatnot. I do think that's a symbol of a, of a special covenant that is made, but not a covenant that is made necessarily with God, you know? So it's not, so right. it's like this child is a part of the family of God by way of their parents, but is not, I would say forensically apart of, so it's almost like economically apart, but not for forensically apart of the people of God. Does that make hmm. sense? Yeah. I, would I need say to, so. maybe I need to work that out a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, I'd be interested. It's interesting. Uh, uh, last year, it might've been around this time, maybe in the fall, Gordon Conwell did like a little debate between four professors about infant baptism, yada, yada, yada. And uh, Doug Stewart was on there. John Jefferson Davis, um, and a couple others, and John Jefferson D Davis, you know, said, you know what else isn't in the Bible? You know, uh, marriage, wedding ceremonies, and, um, or not, no, that wasn't it, but he basically said, neither are baby dedications, and yet we do those, and then Doug Stewart made the statement, he's like, amen, and that's why I tell my students not to do baby dedications. He's like, unless it's your firstborn son, other than that, don't call it baby dedication. Call it like baby blessings or something like that. Because he's like, it's not in the Bible. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, what do I do with this? <laughs> Wait, so, so unless it's your firstborn sons. Right, because like in the old, even in the Old Testament, you didn't dedicate all of your children. You dedicated your firstborn son. Oh, I know, there's a lot there. There's well, a lot this just complicates more. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I was like, oh, I can't spend too much time thinking about this. But anyway, he, he's, you know, and that's one of those things, although he, Dr. Doug Stewart, who's awesome in it, he, I think he's even potentially a closet, annihil a conditional immortality guy. Really? Uh, Why do you say that? Because uh, he doesn't talk about it, but I've heard through the grapevine. Um, and he's actually uh, interimed in some Advent Christian churches as well. I did not uh, know that. In New England a little bit, but he he's actually one of those seminary professors who will actually interim pastor and, and pastor churches while he's also being a professor. Wow. Wow. And I'm, I'm just deeply. I'm just surprised. I mean, he, he's a he's uh, a well-respected scholar. Yeah. You know, we're not talking about some throwaway professor. Yeah. Because and there I'm, are many throwaway professors. Yeah. Um, and he's and I may be wrong, but but uh um, I, I would love it if he would come out and, and say that and re reveal that. He might but not. I don't know if he has enough popular evangelical notoriety to right. make a difference in the in yeah. things. 
No, no, and that's where Chris State was right. He's like, we need some notable, you know, names of people like a John Stott, but the John Stott of today to kind of change course and be willing to take the, the knocks that come with making that type of transition. Man, hashtag MAGA, make Adventism great again. Yeah. Yep. It's possible. One yeah. day. One day. We'll make the hats. One what color do you what what color do you think they should be? Rainbow. Let's take back the rainbow too. Let's take it back, man. For you know what? We that should be our Thursday episode. Because you're coming back on Thursday. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> Another pop culture reference. Um that, that I hope no one gets. So um yeah, man, I've thought this for a long time. We need to take the rainbow back. Not forcefully. Yeah. Not like, not like, I'm not saying like, you know, we don't need to be mean, but like, listen, with the, God promises a tremendous promise with the rainbow. Yeah. Um, he takes a scientific reality and makes a pro attaches a promise to it. Yep. And it's been wrested from us. And no one really makes a big deal about it. No, we kind of just drive by the church that has it posted on the outside of there and roll our eyes. I know. Like, shouldn't we be driving past no, like, that church again? <laughs> shouldn't we have rainbows outside of every church and it have nothing to do with, with LGBT whatever? As long as it's over a water fountain, I'm game. <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Um, so that's gonna, that's not going to be the topic of Thursday's episode. What is the topic of Thursday's episode going to be? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Isn't isn't your banter club in charge of that? Banter club? Uh, they should be. Yeah. So I should post. I don't know. Some half the club's on vacation. They might not respond. Uh, <laughs> so. Hey, Luke. Uh, <laughs> so no, not Luke. Um, but anyway, we'll figure it out. We don't know what the topic is for Thursday. Yeah but we'll bring it. Mike will be we'll back. We'll figure it out. Maybe Erica will listen to this. Does she listen to the show? I know she gave it a, a heart earlier. That's her, her unwielding support of her husband. Okay, so she probably didn't listen to this. No, no, she's actually with the boys at a friend's house swimming. So our son, our oldest child has his first sleepover today. Sounds really supportive. Well, it's supportive in the way of she. I would have had to go with them and not do this, but in, in support of me doing this, she took the kids with her, so that all I have to do is worry about our our new dog. Well, that's good. Yeah, and especially because you, I mean, looks very content. Um. But last week, I had asked you like a few weeks ago to join the podcast last week when we did the Chris Date episode, and you flaked out. Yes, because I had an investment committee meeting with for Berkshire, because I am the chairman of the Berkshire board. Plug, plug, plug. So come to you with all financial advice then? Yeah, no, and that's actually a thing that I'll, I'll put out prayer, prayer for in, in finding someone to delegate some of those responsibilities for, just because... I'm not the person to be making investment decisions. Uh, I'm just not. <laughs> I can't say anything more than that. 
But at the end of the day, it, it has been interesting in seeing how things like that work. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, as with any ministry, we have needs. Uh, Berkshire has needs for this, that, and the other thing, but some really fun, cool things happening with Ministry Training Institute and, you know, church, you know, within uh, the, the regions and uh, training up leaders within the church. Things are going well with that, as well as, you know, trying to develop more internally uh, E Berkshire courses. Aren't you the president of the board, too? Like the Berkshire I'm the chairman board? of the board. I'm not the president. Uh, Reverend Dr. Glenn Rice is the president of the Berkshire. good doctor. The good doctor. Yes, yes, the good doctor. Yeah. My former boss and former boss. He's a good friend. Yeah. 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 He's, he's one of he's, he's, he's one of my top ten favorite people. Um, no doubt. Yeah. Let me let me let me put it this way. The Rice clan family are some of the best people. For sure. Mm -hmm. Like with, with, hands down. Yeah. You know, Josh, Andy, Matt, Glenn, uh, their their wives, Cindy and Jess and uh, Carrie and all of them are, and their children are beautiful children. So. Okay. That's good. That's <laughs> <laughs> so uh, maybe we'd have you on talk about Berkshire on Thursday. Yeah, we can chat Berkshire a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll, we can I'll... do, maybe we can do, uh, one, you know, Luke, one of Luke's favorite kinds of episodes are poopery. Oh, poopery. Oh, yeah. let's do it. Yeah. I will say though, I will have to get a list of things from Glenn of not to say. To me, <laughs> I, don't, I don't like wrap Berkshire into something that I should. Make <laughs> my disclaimer: everything I say on these podcasts are not a reflection upon my church, my family, or any other. Well, see, see if uh, maybe maybe Glenn can you know produce some sort of promo code that uh, you know the listeners if they. Uh, listener, watch the podcast. They can drop Bible banter in some sort of promo code somewhere and get 10% off of like E Berkshire. No, no. Do you have that authority? I, I have a strong feeling of that to offer something like that would be a board decision. I just did it yesterday, like for today, for Bible banter, man. You are a board of one. That's it. I'm an authoritarian dictator. Yeah. <laughs> Mouse Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but we we love Berkshire, man. I mean, yeah. um, I've been supporting it. My church support. I know a lot of churches support it. Um, they're and doing a lot of good work. We appreciate all the support and the especially the prayer. And there are some um, dedicated people that that help that ministry run. And I'm seeing very bright and positive days ahead for Berkshire. Mm -hmm. um, under the leadership of Glenn and the, the current board that we have. Well, with, with you and Glenn at the helm, um, mm -hmm. even the gates of hell could not prevail against it. I'm all uncomfortable with that, but I'll take that and accept that with the heart that it was intended. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm more the, as, as I am with anything, I'm more the comedic relief. I just kind of help keep the, the ship steered. Um, and, uh, and outside of that, my my gifting is limited. And your entire church said amen. 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 I told my church when they first hired me, I'm like, this is either a blessing or a curse for all of us. I'm like, it's either a blessing and we're going to feel the Lord's blessing or this is a curse to teach us all what we should and shouldn't do. <laughs> but you're still there. I'm still there. Yeah. Yeah. October will be 10 years. God bless you, man. 
Yeah. And, and technically I've been there since 2008. I started off as a youth worker in 2008, but 2010, they, October, 2010, they, they took me on full time. You got, and you got 10 more in you? I think, I think so. I don't see why not. <laughs> uh, they might disagree. I haven't really asked. <laughs> I think they like I me. said this, I said this uh, earlier, you know, we had, we had a, um, yeah, uh, this past weekend I was thinking about you know my own candidating weekend when I came to my church. I'm coming up on finishing my two years in November, and I thought, uh, you know, I've always thought about like other pastors you hear, especially older guys in our denomination, like they bounced, especially earlier in their career, um, two years there, three years there, and they might have served in like five or six different churches, you know, two to five years on all those different churches. Um, and I, I very intentionally came here thinking, I don't want to be that guy. Like I might have to be like the Lord, however the Lord leads, but I want to be one place and stick there forever. I think our mentality as pastors should be to enter with the intention of being long-term mm-hmm. and, and finishing our ministry where we started. Yeah. Um, and I pray that that's the reality for me, but you never know what the Lord plans, what things happen, you know, lots of things change, but, um, there's this guy, Brian Croft, who's an SPC uh, pastor, and he has this website, Practical Shepherding, which I find helpful and challenging. Uh, he has some pastoral gifts that I don't, and so he challenges me a lot on them, especially when it comes to stuff like visitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just not strong in that area, but uh, um, he may, he talks about that a lot. He's like, you know, three years, th- four years is just long enough for you and your congregation to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And then the real ministry starts like five years, five, six, or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you cut out every two, three years, you never really got to know each other. Yeah. I think that's right. Smart man. Now he went, is that the guy that went to Gordon Conwell? No, I thought he went to Gordon Conwell for some reason. I don't think so. He may have at one point. Okay. Never mind. I, don't know. I think he's a pretty solid SPC guy, so he's probably. Well, Mark Dever went to went to Gordon Conwell. Yeah, we don't talk about him. Why? I'm just kidding. I'm just, oh, I was just saying. What? <laughs> what do you know? <laughs> yeah, like I love Dever. Um, yeah, no, I do too. I think his uh, nine marks of a healthy church and that whole ministry. I'll tell you, um, they. I think they they take membership a lot more seriously than our churches do, and I think are good corrective. But the one thing that they do well that I think our churches could learn from immensely, and it's something that even Blessed Hope, my church, you know, still works through, is being elder-run congregationally. Mm-hmm. Elder, elder-led churches that are still congregational. Mm-hmm. I think they bridge that gap really well. Yeah. I like to think of it as elder-led congregationally affirming. Yep. Yeah. No, they do it well. I, I hope to be there at some point too, because I, I think that's a biblical. I think that's a biblical model. Um, in many of our churches, we're more set up as a, I don't know, a, a CEO board type model. Um, and, and from and even looking at because I didn't lead our church into elder. We have elders and deacons. We don't have like an official board. Um, my predecessor did the hard work of that transition, and even now, still defining what those roles are and, and responsibilities and how that covers the whole area of ministry is, is tough. 
but what I what I find in looking hearing about the history and other things, I really find it's a misunderstanding of terms. Mm-hmm. Like just defining, all right, because I find a lot of times deacons are acting like elders, they're just called deacons. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the official board are doing the work of deacons. Mm-hmm. You That's know, right. You know, yeah, we, we've had that conversation at my church. We have a board yeah. of deacons and deaconesses that function essentially as elders. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, an official board that functions as deacons, and we call them different names. Trustees, yeah. maybe, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and so my thought is, if we can kind of come to the understanding that really what's happening is a title change to be just more, you know, match our words with the scriptural ecclesiology. I, I think, but at the same time, uh, you know, change is hard. Change, uh, church changing is like trying to change direction of a barge. Mm-hmm. It, it, you start cutting the wheel hard, and it still takes three weeks to, to move an inch. Yeah. And it's just the nature of life. It's just the nature of church. You got to long, and that's that's the whole thing about long term pastorates. You got to be in it for the long haul to see what the Lord's going to do with, uh, especially established churches. I mean, church planting, I think, is a little different. I remember one time um, hearing through the grapevine, and I, I shared this at a small town summits um, thing here in New England, and we were just talking about some of the hurts of pastoral ministry, and I'll, I'll leave this just so people feel bad for me. Um, I one time heard through the grapevine that uh, someone, someone said to another person, you know, this never would have happened under so-and-so's ministry. <laughs> and I'm like, <sighs> And, and I considered them a close friend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, but anyway, you know, you got to have a thick skin, soft heart. Yeah, that's not always easy. It's mostly hard, actually. It's mostly hard. We, we should have brought that. We should have brought this up on our on our episode on depression, because yeah. that's one of the reasons why pastors struggle with depression so much is because yeah. people are mean. Yeah. 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 All right, man. Well. We don't have time for the catechism today. You, no, we okay. talk, you spoke too long about. I know I'm I'm super long winded. I'm sorry. It's okay. I you know what I forgive you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I I, I, I I receive that into my heart. Good. I'm glad. Hey everybody, appreciate you guys staying on with us for the last hour and twenty six minutes. <laughs> go ahead and um you know press like share the video get it into someone's hands that needs to hear what we had to say today um and join the banter club please join the banter club help support the podcast at patreon forward slash banter club you get 25 percent off promo code that is good for this week and or excuse me this month and next month for my website where you can get the pdf download of my new book and it's already cheaper. So it's already like 15% cheaper than the Amazon price plus another 25% off. That's like, what's that? 40%? You're the math guy. 40%. Yeah, so it's like a $3 book right there. Uh, well, it's it was $2.99. I dropped it to $2.49. Wow. Because I don't have to pay Amazon. Oh, okay. So that's right, because it's coming directly from you. Yeah, and I can't control, like, once the price is set, I can't control the, I can't change the price, really. It's up to Amazon to change it if they're. Yeah. So Amazon has it listed at $299. I have it listed on my website at $249. So you get an extra 25% off. So that's like, I don't know what that is, Mike, because I'm not good at math. Yeah. 
but I will say this, I bought it through Amazon and it was the best less than $6 that I've ever spent. Dude, that's pretty big, man. That's thank I you. That's a high compliment. Book. That's a high I, compliment. I appreciated your book immensely. It was a, it was a solid, concise, um, read. I will say, uh, at first I wasn't con totally convinced that you were talking because I put evangelism in a different category than discipleship, but you convinced me that, you know, in order to have discipleship, you have to be evangelizing. So it all kind of fits under the same umbrella. Yeah. You know where I kind of, you know, I got developed in that way from, and I mentioned this in the book, uh, yeah. from Jeff Vanderstel a little bit, but mm -hmm. also Trellis and the Vine and the Vine Project. Uh, yeah. Those two books, if you, if you haven't read them or somebody else hasn't read them, they are incredible that you need to read both of them um like done tomorrow. we'll do it i'll yeah. do it so thank you so much man that really does mean a thank lot you. the best yeah, well, thank best, you for writing it best six dollars you've ever spent yeah wow you can get a decent cigar for six dollars you know that i didn't know that because i've never purchased my own cigar okay i mean you're not going to get a great cigar but you could get a mm -hmm. decent cigar good to know to know that my book is at least the equivalent to a decent cigar. Decent cigar. <laughs> Make my. You made it, my friend. You made it. <laughs> I'm gonna put that. I ran a Facebook ad for my book. I'm gonna put that my <laughs> equivalent to a six dollar cigar. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. Appreciate it. Um go like our page or do whatever. We'll see you on Thursday as we talk about a whole bunch of poopery stuff. Signing out.